Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here Hi. We talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? So good. Man, we, it's spring, spring has sprung ish. Uh, we, we re- reverted back to daylight savings time or no. I can never remember which way. I don't know which way is the natural way. Night is longer. (laughs) The sun goes down later. That's what I'm trying to say, Uh, which is like one of my favorite events of the year. Like having extra sun in the evening makes me happy. Yeah, I very much like not eating dinner time in the dead of night. Yeah. Yep. 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 So that happened. That was good. Um, We've got baseball that started in the last two weeks. I got soccer that started this week. Uh, we've got piano, chess regionals are coming up. Um, Oregon Battle of the Books, uh, <laughs> Battle of the Books, which which we we had some competitors in. So, uh, yeah, uh, there's a, there's a lot going on. But as for me, I'm getting ready in two days to leave for Colorado. I'm getting excited. The forecast appears to be holding on tight. We're going to have great weather in Winter Park. Denver's going to be fantastic. There's going to be some basketball. I'm going to see Gonzaga. I'm going to see Baylor. Ooh. Um, yeah, so it should be fun. We, and, and there's some upset games. Like, I, I'm getting some of the upset games in Denver, potential upset games, yeah. I mean. Yeah, you know. they're, they're, not, they're not pre-written. No, right. you've, that's, that's an exciting lineup, actually, going into that, because you've got kind of some of the, the to watch for yeah upsets that that's right uh like grand canyon like grand canyon could show up and drop a bomb and, yeah seriously grand canyon showed up Th- that's right <laughs> so yeah no i'm i'm pumped going to watch some basketball going to do some skiing that's that's happening it's happening like this week and i'm like i'm there for it i'm preparing a presentation i'm presenting for our I'm present doing like a 45 minute presentation on adverse possession. If you don't know what it is, look it up. It's phenomenal. Makes me excited. This is law nerd stuff. Is that so you can make this a business trip? Oh, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Nice. Yeah. Writing the whole thing gets written off. (laughs) That's America and shit right there. America. Uh, If you are a CPA, don't at me. I don't want to know. Yeah, don't. Andrew, how are you? I'm good. I'm not as excited as you are because I don't have such an exciting weekend upcoming. Um, other than that, I'm good. Made a huge dinner today. Like I started on one thing and I was like, oh, I'm going to do this too. And then I just, I got out of control. I made sweet and sour pork. I made sesame chicken. I made chow mein. I did, uh, what else did I make? I don't know, a couple other things. And at the <laughs> conclusion of it, I was like, yeah, that was too much. So I have a ton of leftovers for Chinese food, as you know, as Chinese food typically does. But it was delicious. You made all these things from scratch? Yeah. Whoa. It started, I was just going to make some sesame chicken, and then I was like, yeah, let's have some pork. Sweet and sour pork. Oh, I made hot and sour soup, too. Did you fry your sesame chicken? I fried my pork. I baked my chicken. Mm. I'm a huge fan of, like, chicken fried sesame beef. That's yes. my jam. Yeah, that's because that's the truth. That's the truth. But uh, I would have fried the chicken also, but because I, I didn't want to run two uh, things concurrently. 
I just baked the chicken and fried the pork because sweet and sour pork is it needs to be deep fried. Yeah, sesame chicken you can oven bake or fry or whatever. But yeah, it all turned out good. I'm pleased with the way it turned out. So I'm, I have a little bit of. Did you smoke your sweet and sour pork? No. Okay. What do you mean? I don't know. I like a smoked sweet and sour pork. No. So I just took a pork tenderloin tube because I have a bunch of the tenderloin tubes in the freezer. And I just cubed it, breaded, battered, fried, and then made some sweet and sour sauce. Dope. Peppers and onions and... Well, enough of that. I'm getting hungry. You're going to have to can it. Because we're talking about watches, Andrew. We're there. We have. We we are going to talk about watches tonight. We're talking about watches. And we're only I need five cr- minutes in. I need to crack a beer. You did. Yeah. What is your problem? What is my problem? We total have- Dom. Ooh, let's do some Total Dom. Mm, yeah, you it's are. It's been a minute. Yeah. Total. <laughs> I am. <laughs> no, I need a Total Dom in my life. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about watches, and this is a fun one. We're talking about not our favorite reissues. We are not talking about watches that you should buy for less than $1,000 or $100 or $50 even. Whatever. We are talking about something a little bit more uh, philosophical, perhaps. Squishy. It's less objective than our typical objectively perfect scale and decision making. That's right. And, And I think based on my quick review of your selections and my much longer review of my own selections, I think we get some personality. You you know, this is going to be the second week in a row that our personalities are really our watch personalities as it were are really on display. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but a little bit different this week. So these are, yes, actually almost polar opposite. Yeah. 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 These are watches specifically that we would like to see reissued. Where Watch, the fuck are they? Watches that we think deserve some attention, deserve some treatment. And in the world of watches, it is some somewhat hard to believe that at least some of these still have not been reissued. So, Andrew, yes, y- you came up with this episode. W- what was your thinking? What was the thinking that led you to this? We're in the the golden era of reissue watches. Are we not? We've got... You know, some- that is a awfully discreet and specific thing to have a golden era of, but if there is such a thing, we are in it. It's We're, we're seeing companies go back to the 60s, 70s, 80s, pull these great things from their catalog, tweak them a little bit, and put them back on the market. There is so much cool stuff being pulled from the depths of these watch brands catalogs, and it's awesome. There's so much good stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of stuff that every time I see, I'm like, well, why would you release that and not this? Mm Mm-hmm. Reissues are in their heyday right now. And my hope is that at least a couple things on this list make it off the chopping block and onto the production line to get reissued. That was my thinking because there's so many reissues and none of them I hate, right? I'm not yet, I'm not yet seen a reissue where I was like, well, that should have stayed where you left it. (laughs) They're all good. (laughs) They're, 
these companies that are doing reissues and even zombie brands that are reviving defunct brands and reviving catalogs. They're doing some cool stuff. There, there were a couple of those that came up in my in my research for this episode. Things that I was like, well, not only does that watch not exist, but that brand doesn't exist, and it probably should. Yes, I, I saved those because I think that that might be another episode. Yeah, there were a couple that I came across, like zombies that we want. Mm-hmm. But, but that was my thinking: is what, what are we, what am I personally missing? in this surge of reissues. Mm. And I came up with a few watches, as did you. I did, yeah. I came up with some watches. Yeah. Do you want to lead us off? I want you to. Because okay. you you actually did an interesting thing. And I want you to explain what you did. Because you did something very different than me. Y- yeah, and, and you actually called me out on it. I think you didn't quite understand I what I was doing. I did not understand what you were doing. <laughs> So what I did was I picked I picked three watches. Nine. <laughs> I picked three watches that need to be reissued. And then and then for each of them, I tried to find the closest reasonable and, and somewhat affordable alternative, mm-hmm. right? Um you'll you'll find you'll see for one of these, I don't think an alternative exists. At at least at least not in the same form and certainly not affordable. Correct. Um yeah. But but for the most part, I try to pick watches that I thought, well, this is something that really is hard to get or hard to come by and certainly not new. And and if you do want something new, here's here's what you might look at. I'm going to start with a watch that, I, you know, I, I don't know how a reissue of this watch works because it was a, a kind of a specific watch made for a specific purpose. And I think Absent that specific purpose, a, a reissue may lack some of the mystique. Mm-hmm. But the watch I picked was, I don't think this is be a huge surprise to anybody. This is a Seiko watch. It, and by not a huge surprise, not a huge surprise that I'd pick a Seiko in this slot. But it's kind of a weird Seiko. These are fairly rare. They are... Uh, easy enough to come by, but rare enough and in demand enough that you pay basically exorbitant prices for them. This is the Seiko 7A28 7 Alpha 28 RAF Gen 1 Chronograph. This is a blasted case, mil spec, quartz chronograph. And let me say, I think that the entire that the 7A28 movement in and of itself presents probably five or six watches that could be on this list tonight. Mm-hmm. There's the yacht timer. There are, I don't know, those divey chronographs. I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember what it watch, what watch that is. The 7049 quartz chronograph sport 100 with sort of a, a dive bezel on it. Um, so, so the seven eight two eight movement, there, there, just a, a ton of cool watches, yeah, around that movement. But in particular, this one. So these are quartz chronographs. They're not fancy. They're not really special. They were released both by Seiko and Pulsar. They are military issued RAF chronos. I mean, there's not much to say about them. They are what you expect. These are so the Gen ones were Promethium illuminated. So you've got a circle P 
at 12 o'clock, which was required by military specifications at the time. I think promethium is low-level radiation. Um, not enough to worry about. They're svelte. They're tiny. Um, they're attractive. They're not super small, but it's it's certainly not a big watch. They're intriguing. And they're beautiful. They are beautiful. They've got the push. The pushers on these sit very close to the watch. A lot of chronographs have, you know, big, you know, plunger pushers that stick way out. These pushers are recessed, more like a quartz, uh, like a digital watch button. Close, yeah. That's that was actually my first thinking when I saw it. The problem with these, you can still find these. There's probably five to ten of them on eBay right now, but they go for like. A thousand bucks in terrible shape, yeah, and much more in good shape for a shitty Seiko quartz chronograph. These are not special watches, no, but they're beautiful. And the simplicity, the simplicity is so good. Great three six nine layout. Um, you know, it's a seven eight two eight. There's no surprises here. Uh, you've got like a a one tenth of a second. Um, minutes at nine o'clock. Uh, yeah, this, this is just a really simple, good layout. Tense seconds, minutes. You don't have that like super long, weird register that you don't need. I dig these watches, man. You, you can very much see the, uh, the beginnings of the SNK in this watch in this diminutive field watch that's super simple, absolutely no, just nothing. But now let's make it a three-hander. Yeah. And I understand that that's a field watch, right? Like that's yeah, not. Yeah, sure. But, this is but a this is, military spec. It's, yeah. a, it's a mil-spec watch, but you can see that that's, that's a thing that Seiko did and then really hung on to and continues to hang on to. I dig these. This should be reissued. Yeah, the and so With that's Prometheum too. Well, I'm not sure that they could use Prometheum, and, yeah, and why not just use Superluminova? But um, do this with Tritium. Come on, with the with the type of watch it is, it, it doesn't really make sense that it would be a thousand bucks for these or three thousand bucks for these. You know, to get one in great shape because so, there aren't any anymore. Yeah. It's the it's the collector market that has push these up because otherwise you know there's there's more of these in drawers or in landfills than there are available for sale yeah so uh, does it make sense for seiko to reissue these if they're not going to sell them to the military I, I i don't know maybe not but i'll tell you if they did make one and they made it true to spec and they kept it in the military specs I'd be in line. I mean, this is a pretty dope watch. And and this watch made today is maybe a $300, $200 watch. This is a Seiko 5 Series chronograph is That's what right. it is. Like a sub $300. You know, they could do something special with it. They could make it out of titanium. They could do something something weird with it to kind of hold that, that little bit of mystique that comes along with being a mil-spec'd for the military watch. But this lives really happily in the five series line, I think. And you know, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. It's not a one to one. But there is so so. Nobody's really making this watch no, today. It's got four four crowns. That's like a 
It's that's a bizarro right. <laughs> digital layout on a that's chronograph. Right. However, there is a there is a similar aesthetic that you could get from a, a company called MWC or Military Watch Company. Uh, I don't know a ton about the company. I know that they don't have a great reputation with folks that collect military watches uh, because they're, I don't know. I think they're sort of seen as cheating in some ways. I'm not, I'm not sure all the, all the reasonings there. So MWC has their NATO pattern stainless steel hybrid military pilots chronograph with sapphire crystal. Um, I'm sure this is a fine watch. It's got an asymmetric side. You know, I'm a sucker for an asymmetric case side. Yeah, but you are. in this context, I think that takes away from the watch a little bit. It's also got a much, much, much less pleasing dial layout. Yes. Um, I don't like the, the 230 and 1030 or the 2 and 10. That's right. They've crammed yeah, a weird dials. date dial in there. Um, the pushers are less attractive. The the crown flows with the case less. Um, This isn't a good alternative. It's, it's uh, got the same feel. Mm. It's got the same attitude, but it's a much less good watch in my mind, but you can get them. They are not terribly expensive. I think these things are 350 bucks with a, with a VK movement, uh, like a micro quartz movement. Yeah, these are fine. They're good. Oh, they are chunks too. They're chunks. They're but chunky bitch. It's fine. It's good. BK sixty eight macro quartz. So, um, yeah, if you really want something like that and you can't drop the scroll, find one of those MWCs for used. I think for under two hundred. There's also an, an enormous amount of field chronograph kind of feeling watches out there. You're you're not wrong. There, I'm, I'm not I'm not sold on this as the analog. He, I'm he, sold on the Seiko should be reissued. I'm not sold on this as the as the maybe. I, I think it's the closest thing available today, which is why I picked it. No, I, dude, I'm the, not sold. I'm not sold on it either. Which, the, the Venture Chronograph is a is a better pick. The Venture Chronograph, yeah, or the Boulder Chronograph. No, I don't know if it's closer, but. It's a better fit if that's what you're looking for. Hmm. Well, in any event, there you are. I think that the Seiko RAF chronograph should get reissued. I concur. And I'm sorry you all had to listen to mommy and daddy fight. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew, what do you got first? I have to let my page load. Oh, boy. This is a watch that I'm shocked. Went out of production. I'm shocked, hasn't come back into production, and I continue to be shocked that nothing has come up in its place, especially with the way Seiko has been behaving over the last five years. My first pick is the Pogue 6139. This is another famous Seiko chronograph. An iconic chronograph one of the most famous chronographs a of all moon time. watch an important part not just of seiko's history but of aeronautics of design like this is this 
that this hasn't been reissued and just tweaked a little bit is absolutely shocking because you can find these still in in good shape for eh, one to two thousand dollars i think you can probably less but you're like if you're gonna go mainstream and just like if you want to go buy one today you're gonna spend 1500 bucks on something in good condition i think these are really high risk to be frankened too yes yes because the people want it and and what i want is the gold dial i'm not a gold watch guy but this watch is gold dialed Mm -hmm. that's what i want Mm mm-hmm and it doesn't make sense to me with all of the ways that Seiko has been capitalizing on. I mean, you look at King Seiko. They've they've launched an entire brand to reissue watches from a really important time in watch history. And that this hasn't made it to the surface yet is shocking to me because I really want one of these. I don't want a Franken and I don't want to drop two grand on one. Because mm-hmm. this isn't a two thousand dollar watch, this is. I mean, you even put a a, a a mecha quartz movement in there. I'm okay with fucking put a quartz movement in there. I don't care. I just want this watch with box and papers for not two thousand dollars. Because this is a five hundred dollar watch. Yeah, and that's what I want it for. That's what I will pay for it. I want this watch. I want it to come back, and I don't know why they're waiting. Yeah, you know, you know, I, I, I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna throw something out there. I, th- I think if they reissued this watch, they, they have to do a mechanical chronograph. They, they should. I agree. Yeah. And then it becomes, you know, an automatic chronograph. Even like this has got to be it, anything less than that. And I think you start to take away from what makes this watch special. Yeah. And and I wouldn't say that about every chronograph that ever existed, but in particular the sixty one thirty nine watches, right? There's there's something to that. So I, I could be wrong, and I'm sure if they release this with the Mecha Quartz, people would eat it up. If there was a Seiko Mecha Quartz Pogue, people would fucking go ape shit. I'd, I'd go I, ape shit, but I think it wouldn't be the same thing. I would eat it up, and I would probably buy one with either an automatic or or automatic or mechanical movement, even if they if they rang these in at like fifteen hundred bucks. I think they have the technology to be able to do it for less, though. Does Seiko have a catalog automatic chronograph right now? They must. Surely they do. They do. I don't know what it is. Yeah. No, I don't off the top of my head either. Do they? I I can't. I can't. Hold on. I'm going to the Google machine. Um, They do. They have to. Yeah, they do. Um, let's see. Is it like one of the That's like solar? They they certainly do. So the S B E C zero zero one. Hmm. You know, I'm not sure if this is currently in production. Yeah, I don't know, Andrew. We'd, that's something. It'd it, be weird if they didn't. Someone at home knows. Let us know. Let us know. Uh, yeah, nothing's coming to the surface, but. This is my pick. My first pick is I want a Pogue reissue. That seems like a reasonable ask also. I think so. This isn't obscure. This isn't like, this is just, this should be reissued. This deserves it. For all of the other things that have been reissued, this deserves a look. Yeah, that's right. 
That's right. No, I'm into it. I want it. I want it. Bring bring it back. I'll even buy one. <laughs> bring it back, Seiko. Come on. Those gold dials, man. Fuck. This one is actually in good shape. It's only 1100 bucks. Yeah, I, I think if you're going to buy one of these used, you'd need to find a broker or something. Somebody who knew what the fuck they were doing. Unless you were like, I'm fine with a... I'm fine with a Frankenwatch. I'm, I'm, I am, but I'm not. I'm not, I don't want to buy one, but I'm cool with their existence. Sure. I would even be cool with Frankening it myself, but I'm not going to buy it in that condition. I also don't like buying used watches. I have a, it's a thing. (laughs) I don't know. So much like the 6139 Pogue. This is a chronograph. It is a revered chronograph. Mm-hmm. It's from a company that has reissued all the watches. Yeah. They've reissued everything except for this. Yes. And I don't understand it. It needs to be reissued. This is a watch from Hoyer, whose IP is now owned by a company called Tag Hoyer. And it is specifically... <laughs> The Camaro chronograph. So 1967, I believe, the Chevy Camaro is made the official pace car of the Indy 500, where it remained, I believe, for three years. 67, 68, 69. Mm -hmm. During that time, it was the coolest car in the world. It was the car. Camaro was the coolest car in the world. And Jack Hoyer not being one to miss an opportunity to name something cool and sexy and racing inspired, uh, creates this chronograph and calls it the Camaro because he wants to get the American market into it. He, you know, we got these people, they're driving these crazy Chevys. This is beautiful. Let's, this is, this watch is actually inspired by the Chevy Camaro. And it's gorgeous. Yeah. So there's a couple of other watches that came out around the same time as the Camaro that look very similar. In particular, there's a Zodiac watch that came out around the same time Mm -hmm. and a few others. But this watch is so much more refined. The case on this watch, if you looked at them, just saw them in passing, you'd say, oh, those are the same watch. They're not. The Hoyer Camaro is a much much sexier watch the beveling the way that the case flows into the lugs gosh this thing is stunning the dials on these is a few different dial patterns there are more sort of intricate tachymeter there are less instrument less intricate more sort of jeweled timekeeping focused legible versions of this black dials white dials cream dials silver dials uh, orange hands, very sort of subdued steel hands. They sold them. They only sold them for like four years. So from 1968 to 1972. Uh, and so they're hard to find and people really, really love them except for Tag Heuer, who has decided it didn't exist. It's because of the Monaco's popularity, right? Yeah. There's, there's not a an exact overlap here. These are, very distinct watches. Sure. But the Monaco was released in what, 6970? Mm, I don't know, actually. 
think 6970-ish, and then got on Steve McQueen's wrist in the early 70s. And then there's then that's it. That's their racing watch. That's their square cased watch. That's what that's their pony. That's what they're hitched to. And this is creating competition within their own line, though it is I like it a lot more and I love the Monaco. And the Monaco didn't even survive, right? The Monaco, they discontinued that in what the eighties and it didn't come back until the late nineties. Yeah. I, I think this watch is way sexier than the Monaco. It's less interesting, but it's way sexier. Wait, yes, significantly. But Italian racing dug the square watch. That was where their market was. It made sense to, to ride with that pony. Yeah. They should reissue this because tag Heuer's in a position to, to do some cool stuff to, to, grow the brand outside of golf and like the weird channels that it exists in. Yeah. That's a, that's a watch that breaks, breaks their mold. When I tell you, so these watches came outfitted with the Valjoux 72, which is this, which was also used in the Daytona, Mm -hmm. which was also used in the, I think Prieto six Navitimers. And this is a solid movement. You can pick these up for like, oftentimes under three grand in fantastic shape. So if you want a truly, truly historically significant watch with a phenomenal movement and fantastic looks, these can be had for, I mean, three grand is not a song, but relative to what this is, these can really be picked up for super reasonable prices. Yeah, this watch would cost significantly more in production now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even with new inbox Lamania movements yeah. or Valjoux movements. I mean, uh, the only the only watch that I know of that is really hitting these notes pretty closely is a watch by Watch Gecko. It's a Gekota branded. Uh, I think this used to be called the C01, but they've changed it to the Chrono Timer Racing Chronograph, which is a. Yeah, this is a it's pretty damn close quartz. Uh, this is a quartz chronograph. Um, there's some really key differences to this watch. The way the case flows into the lugs is interrupted. So rather than flowing smoothly into the lugs, there's an interruption in between that bevel on the case and the bevel on the lugs. Um, uh, the the way the hands and the dial interact with the tachometer is less elegant i believe um there's a couple of little differences the the pushers are very similar but they project out in my mind further and and it gives it a clunkier look than than the camaro but all things said and and the crown's a little too chunky all things said and done though they are very close. If you didn't know what you were looking at, you'd be like, those are the same watch. They're not. Um, if you didn't care, yeah. I mean, if you were just looking for something comparable, that that will scratch that itch. Yeah. I think hundred percent perhaps. So that's, that's my second watch. I would love for tag to reissue the Camaro. There's the market for it. It exists. It exists. <clears throat> it scratches the, itch that people have who who kind of like the Monaco but just aren't quite there with a fully square mm-hmm. everything. Like here's a 
we soften the edges for you. And here's a round dial. Yeah, this is much less look at me. Look at this weird thing I'm wearing on my wrist. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's square dial or a square case-ish. It's kind of tonneau-y, right? You could, you could look past this watch and be like, oh, it's just a tonneau-cased chronograph. Right. But it's not. Nope. It's certainly a square. It was a square. This is like a middle-aged square. Yeah, this is a cushion case for sure. Yeah. Andrew, watch number three. Watch number two. Two. Watch number two. Watch number two. I got ahead of myself. You usually go first. I do. I, I decided to mix things up. It's because you fucked with my intro. Um, <laughs> the Breitling Navitimer reference nine four. Zero six, which is the Breitling Navitimer that you know, with only an LCD screen. It is not the Anadigi that still exists. It's not the full analog that still exists. It is the 1977 full LCD dial release that is becoming more and more expensive and less and less frequent on used watch platforms just kind of making me sweat a little bit because i really want to buy one of these (laughs) um and i know that every day is like just an extra dollar um i love this watch because it's just this beautiful collision of analog and digital technology in a true instrument you know, Breitling in the 70s is an instrument, a flight instrument company, and still fancies themselves as as one today. Aviation is their thing. And in the 70s, with the release of LCD, not only could they continue to have their thing, but they could also be on the cutting edge of technology. Yeah. Totally. So what we have is this tiny LCD dial in the middle of a flight instrument in the way of the Navitimer slide rule. And this is it for me. This is the coolest fucking watch on the planet because it's such a strange collision of technologies. It's, it's simultaneously saying we're looking to the future and we're going to do all this cool technological stuff. But also in order to fly an aircraft, you need a slide rule. Yeah. (laughs) because that's the world we live in and i don't know how to use one there's many of them available and they range in price they range in in their condition this is not an attractive watch it's a big old slab of metal it's a slide rule with a tiny lcd dial in the middle but i love this watch the first time I saw this, I was like, no, I'm going to have to have one of those. I'll probably not wear it very often because it will you know, weigh me down. But this this is it. They're 44 millimeters. They are. Yes. That No, they come in a 41 or a 48. Oh, boy. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. Uh, they're even at 41. That's a big watch because it's all stuff. There's no hiding it. There's no, it's, it's just a brick sitting on your wrist. I love this watch. I would, I would love to see a Breitling reissue of this 
and not LCD. Because part of the issue with buying one of these releases is you just don't know how much life is going to be left in that LCD screen. Like it could be tomorrow. It could be in perfect working order today. And just tomorrow it's not. But to to take one of these and put a, a digital movement in there, I I'd be down with that. Yeah. No, it's a cool watch. I I actually think I slightly prefer the Navitimer or the the Anadigi Navitimer to this. I like the Anadigi Navitimer. If I was a Breitling guy, I would prefer that. Yeah. But I'm not particularly a Breitling guy. I'm a LCD Navitimer guy. Sure. I like a lot of Breitling's watches. I this is the only one that I could see myself buying. You wouldn't buy a straight up Navitimer? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, think, I, I like them. I, they, they feel good on the wrist. They're attractive. I just don't, I don't see a world where that's on my, sure. On my radar. This is very much on my radar. Yeah. Even at 48, I'm fucking fine with it. I think I'm, I, I think the, the Pokemon collector in me feels like a Navitimer. Like at some point, I think I'd like to have a speedy and a sub and a Navitimer and perhaps a, a Monaco. And, uh, but a Monaco isn't that unachievable. Monacos are pretty like in the world of well, affordable. Navitimer, Navitimers are too. So, you, you know, but there's a part of me that's like, I would like to knock down the icons. Like have them just revolve. You could just have like a revolving door fund. Right. And you no, can have a nap timer for a while. I want to have them all, all, all at once. once. Yeah, yeah. I want to have and them just, all at once. And, and do the IG picture of just like all of them up your arm to the forearm and or I to w- the elbow. I'd want to get one of those like plexiglass rotating God, I hate you right displays now. and I'd have them in there. And so I could just turn my display and be like, oh, oh you I'm going to wear this icon. You don't mean a, a winder. You mean like a Walmart display tower? Yes. Okay. Yes. That's what I mean. Okay. So I'm way more on board with the display tower. <laughs> I've, I, I've looked for them and they're not that expensive. Man. Yeah. It might be, it might be time to get one. I just don't have, I don't have a place to put it. No, I don't either. percent. Uh, but I could put it in the living room. Kim would be fine. Yeah. She'd, she'd be, be good. I have plans for uh, like a, chest with a with drawers for watches and in that in those plans it includes the ability to put some of those uh, rotating pedestals on the on the top like adjacent to the lid that will open and close that sounds fun yes because i want one of those pedestals too (laughs) (laughs) um no great watch andrew is it okay if i do my third now it's now it's okay. Have you ever heard of this watch? I had never seen this watch before. I'd never really I, I was aware of this company, but not familiar with it. You sent me this and I was like, uh oh. What have you done? So there is a company called Nevada Grenchen. Nevada Grenchen is I, I don't I don't know. I don't believe that it was continuously operational. I don't think so either. But Nevada Grenchen is a brand that is currently playing. They're playing ball and they're playing hard mm-hmm. and they're releasing dope watches. Um, but 
they've got this really, really fantastic history and a super deep catalog that they have just scratched the very, very tip of. Uh, I think I mixed up. Scratched the surface of. Scratched the surface of. That's right. Dipped the tip. They made, about a billion years ago, a watch called the Wanderer, which I think is a pretty terrific name for a watch. Uh, But what is it? It, This is a bit of a amalgamation of things. So when you look at... It's a shit show. I I wouldn't agree with you on there. But I love it. So it it has got... So so first, just looking at the case, it's got a very simple case. You you can see none of the mid-case from the top. Um... It's got sort of thin, straight lugs projecting. There's a little bit of a little bit of taper to the lugs, but they really just come straight out of the case. Uh, it's got a dial that I think would be hard to describe as anything but dressy. Yeah, it's Cer- a domed dial. Certainly stoic, with a bit of a dome to the dial. Uh, it's got a, it's got a, what I would call a dive bezel. There's no other way to describe it. But it is very thin, and it is all the way out. So you get this huge dial. So this is a 36-millimeter watch. It's a three-hander, but there's an extra hand with an arrow and then a four, and then a, a two o'clock crown. What this watch is is a three-hand mechanical alarm, sort of like a volcano cricket mm-hmm. with a 12-hour dual-time bezel. And it is terrific. It's terrific. It's thin. It's small. It is totally lovely. And they cost not very much, but they're very rare and very hard to find in good condition. And Yeah, this seems like a watch that is like, oh, yeah, this is the watch my granddad bought at Sears when he, like, got a promotion. And then he wore it at the mill for 25 years <laughs> that's right that's right um yeah dude that this is it, it's absolutely terrific i do believe it's got a volcano movement in it um because like the volcano cricket this is a mechanical alarm watch uh which is in and of itself pretty rare. Uh, but w- with the size and with that 12-hour bezel, I mean, really what this is is a traveler's watch. Mm-hmm. This is a watch for someone who's on the on their feet, moving, going place to place. Of course, now you have your iPhone that does all of the same things and a whole lot more. But this is a watch for someone that's moving and grooving in different time zones, needs to wake up, sleep in hotels. And doesn't need to track two time zones. They just need to be able to wake up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I love it. And this watch, unlike the rest of the watches on my list, I don't think an analog to this watch exists today. There isn't. Because it's. I said it's a shit show. It's a forehand watch with a 12-hour bezel 
for no reason. But to track a second time zone because it's a traveler's watch. It makes perfect sense. It is a absolute one trick pony. And it's gorgeous in doing that one thing. Because if you pull that bezel off, this is a stunning dress watch. Yeah. But with it, it's still stunning. And it's a really, really subtle bezel. And if you take the if you take the bezel away, then you've got the Volcane Cricket. Yes. Which is not an inexpensive watch. This is a I think forty three hundred bucks for steel version. Um and so that's a serious watch. That's not something you tread into lightly. But for me, the bezel is really that really tiny, thin bezel that's pushed all the way out. That's the thing that makes this watch special to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, so, just, it's just tiny. Nevada. Grinchin. Where are you at? Yeah, what are you doing? Give me a wanderer. Yeah. Where are my Nevada people at? This seems like the kind of watch that you would want to... And, and it perhaps the issue is that there's just not the elegance of alarm movements anymore because it's not novel. It's totally unnecessary. And has perhaps been lost to iPhones. Because I don't know. This is a thin watch. I don't know. Look, if we're going to talk about watches that have slide rolls, I'm totally fine talking about watches that do a lot. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just <laughs> saying that the that the the functionality in in development might have been lost. Yeah. Yeah. You you you're probably not wrong. I don't. I don't think. I think Volcane is today the only mechanical alarm. I, I'm sure that's wrong. That must be wrong. Yeah. I can't think of another company making at least. Are, uh, is Volcane still making that movement? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can still buy brand new Volcane crickets today. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. They still issued them to the president. As far as I know. Huh. Nevada. Bring it back. Nevada like Wanderer. It. That's the one. I like this one better. My last pick. And and this was a little bit of a cheat. But there's a reason. The Tiso Navigator. It's an automatic chronograph with a Lamania movement. 39 millimeter case. Six and nine o'clock subdials. Interior tachometer bezel or interior tachometer not a bezel this is a beautiful 70s driving watch this is it right this is this is the pinnacle of that thing orange subdial at the six orange tips on the second and chronograph hand. But but just the tip. Just the tip. Right. And that's important. I I I almost I almost bought one today. I was like, I'm I'm willing to risk this fight. 
Well, okay. So they're wait. not in great condition. Hold on, Andrew. You're full of shit. Tissot already released this in the Tissot Heritage. Oh, yeah, you're 1973. right. 1973. Oh, they 100% did. With three subdials, a similar case. It's not and a four extra millimeters. Yes. <laughs> this. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Like. I'm sorry if I stole your thunder. You actually sent me the link to both of those. I sent you the link to both of them for a reason because I wanted you to know, like, yes, I cheated. It has sort of been reissued. But ish. Yes. And I said ish or a sort of or something along those lines, but very much in the way like Bulova reissues things. They said, hey, we have this really great source material. Um, Let's fuck it up. Let's yep. let's yep. make it worse. Rather than just reissue it and maybe update some of the technology, clean up some of the lines. They're like, no, let's make this bigger. Let's add another subdial. In fact, let's just change this watch entirely and keep only kind of the general idea of the case. In its current iteration, I could not care less about its existence. You, you know. I, 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 sorry, Andrew, we'll come back to your watch, but I've noticed a thing here and, and I think this is a good place to talk about. It. I've noticed a thing in the watch forums in particular is where I've seen this. There appears to be an emerging, maybe not even merging. Maybe it is a established tribalism with regards to watch sizes. I think that there is, um, a bit of a divide between, the oversized or or perhaps bigger watches of say 10 to 15 years ago and the trend towards smaller watches with reasonable people sort of saying this is where i stand on this divide um i'm either no i'm totally into it less is less is more smaller 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 and and then and then folks on the other side saying no this watch enthusiast blogger sphere trend is is actually downgrading watches for for reasons that are are maybe not good or pure i'm not sure i mean watches grew over time sure but, well no they say they began huge they shrunk significantly and then just incrementally grew and are now on a shrinking back towards some kind of equilibrium. Because 48, as just like a standard everyday wearing watch, that's just too much. Yeah. But, is, for, but is, is 43 simply too much? I, I think it is. 30 is too small. 36 is perfect. But... I mean, all the way up to like 42, 43, depending on what kind of watch you're wearing. A dive watch really should be 40 to 44 millimeters. Yeah. You, you know, I, I do think really we got the right of it with our 40 and 20. I, I still think that that's the Cinderella. But as you and I have both acknowledged a number of times on this show, we're really drawn to, to watches on either side of that for any number of reasons. It, the The more important thing is... Does the size match the watch? And then, of course, there's fitment issues or whatever. But the 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 right watch 
is also the right size for that watch. Because it was well designed. Yeah. It wasn't just slapped together. It wasn't built of spare parts off the shelf. It wasn't built of, and this is not to speak ill of off the shelf designed watches because that can be really well done. But those watches are like, okay, they're good. And they're never going to be great. Great watches are deliberately designed and their proportions are taken carefully into consideration during the entire design process. You, There are beautiful and perfect 50 millimeter watches out there. They're not for me, but they exist. But that space of like 36 to 40 is a really delicate space to design in. You have to be super diligent with your use of space and your fonts and your markers. And that diligence shows, especially when you're looking at 40 millimeter chronographs, you know, we don't need a world filled with Nighthawks. Though I love the Nighthawk, you could not physically put more on that dial. And I think that's the beauty of it is they used every millimeter of space deliberately and they held it at a reasonable size because that watch could be four millimeters larger and then it's not a chaos dial but it's a chaos dial that once you look at it you're like, oh, okay this is how it works okay oh yeah works i'm in i understand the two camps I don't understand the dispute. It seems like the crux of the issue is we all want well-designed watches. It's easier to design an attractive watch when you have 50 millimeters of dial. It just is. You have more space to work with. It's harder the smaller you get. Nailed it. Just my hot take. Nailed it. Andrew, I think we did it. We've, as as always, a perfect episode. Hey, you folks at home, what, what watch what watch do you want to see reissued? This is a fun one because I think that, you know, in sitting here, we've picked six watches, very different watches. You, you know, we had some similarities, some, some themes between our picks. Um, but this is one of those categories where, you could probably have this conversation for Ever. 24 hours straight and not take any significant breaks. So what are the watches you guys would like to see reissued? Let us know. Send us slide into the DMs. Right let, in there. Let, let us know. What, what, what watches do you want to see reissued? Andrew, other things, what do you got? I started a new Netflix show. Uh-oh. It's called God's Favorite Idiot. It's me. It's created by Ben Falcone. Falcone? I'm going to say Falcone. I like that. Starring him and Melissa McCarthy, his longtime partner and baby mama. The whole premise of the show is that for one reason or another... Ben Falcone, who is this IT, super nerdy, super introverted, like 
single player only bathroom poop kind of guy. Is for whatever reason chosen by God to represent God on earth in the midst of <laughs> God and the devil having a apocalyptic supernatural battle. Melissa McCarthy is the love interest who is a barely functioning prescription and uh, recreational drug abuser who is just a disaster. So they are on opposite ends of the spectrum in the way of their, the way that they live their lives. They are love interests kind of navigating his newly found calling. It, is dark it's not like parks and rec or the office or or that kind of ilk of funny it's much darker funny it's very amusing the acting is great because we know these two actors and yet they fit perfectly in these roles that's always like the the telltale sign for me of a really good actor so i'm like oh i know that person from this role and then that memory of that person vanishes and they become this new person that I'm watching right now. Sure. Right. That's, they just become that character. It's fun. It's, it's not like cerebral in any way, at least from my first watch through of it, (laughs) but it's enjoyable. It's like, it's just, it's fun. It's a Netflix show. It's just the right amount of vulgar without being like, okay, come on. I don't need another iteration of, bridesmaids or the hangover at the white could go for a hangover four. I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It's not, it's also not predictable, right? Cause this is sort of uncharted. This is uh, what's that, uh, that show that Kristen Bell was in the good place. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like that. It's sort of uncharted territory where you don't really know where they're going to take it. Cause they've decided to go in a direction that's not really been gone before. <laughs> yeah. So you're just along for the ride and there's none of the, there's, there's all the, the normal tropes without any of the, Oh, well that's going to happen next. It's cool. Yeah. I, I liked it. I, this is the kind of show that I will probably like rewatch. It's not like a background noise show. You do have to be dialed into it. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, there's just, there's just enough going on that you can't really second screen effectively. Fair enough. That's yeah. a big, that's a, that's a good warning. Yeah, it's uh, but this that's my other thing. I I watched uh, most of the season. God's favorite idiot. God's favorite idiot. Cool. Yeah. What you got? Uh, did I tell you my microwave broke? Uh, no, but you told me your dishwasher broke, and the appliance guys have been in your house a lot. So <laughs> they park in front of my house. That's why I know. Fair enough. Uh, it's never a good thing to hear like the appliance guy at your house. Pretty regularly. Same ever. guy. He comes in in uh, Civic now, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So the dishwasher did break. Uh, that's now been repaired. But also in the midst of that, the microwave broke. So what are you doing to your appliances? You know, you know, I uh, don't. <laughs> I don't either. Uh, I wish I did. Uh, well, so any so, so yeah, we, we we repaired the dishwasher and got a new microwave. Microwaves are not really 
I mean, functionally speaking, not really repairable. Their their cost is not worth repairing. That's right. So we did you match your appliances too with it? With the microwave? Yeah. I mean, the they do match. They're all okay. yeah, they match. You didn't match brand. Oh, uh, we did match brand. Okay, because that's where it becomes problematic. It's like, oh, you guys chose this brand, and now suddenly my microwave is the most expensive appliance in my house, <laughs> and per also the one I can't repair. Yeah, yeah, no, the, the the brands do match. I think that's sort of a coincidence more than anything. But we 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 replaced the microwave. It's one of these you know over the oven hood, uh, range hood type of deals. Um, but we in doing so picked a model that is a, a new trend or a relatively new trend, at least a new trend for someone that hasn't looked at microwaves in a few years, which is a three-in-one. Uh, and it is a three-in-one convection air fryer and microwave. And it does all three of those things. So it, it can act as a convection oven. It can act as an air fryer. It can act as a microwave. Um, I, I was pretty skeptical I was pretty skeptical about its ability to do anything besides microwaving very well. I've now tried out both the convection oven, but more importantly, I've tried out the air fryer. And I got to say, I'm a little bit blown away. Um, I I was not really on the air fryer hype train before. I still probably am not because it is certainly not the same as frying. I've heard a lot of people say a lot of big claims and i don't find that it's the same as deep frying it's, or even all of that close it's not but it's similar it it does it does produce food with certain characteristics that overlap but what i have found is that i am incredible amount of enjoyment of the food that i does put out so it's it's a big it's a big space the microwave's huge. You also have a convection oven, though, so your air fryer need is moot. Yeah, well, maybe. Um, it, it's a big space, and so I think that that it does have an effect. I found that cooking times are about two times what you find on the air fryer instructions. So in order for me to... So if I pull out... So, for instance, this week I cooked... Fish patties. I air fried fish patties. They're like, I don't know, Gordon's or something. Like little fish patties. Breaded. Fish sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Patty sized fish sticks. Precisely what they are. And I stuck them in there. It's got this little tray that you sort of is up in the air in front of the moving air. And nine to 10 minutes was the recommendation. I wound up putting them in for 19 minutes, which from what I can tell is perfect. That's a long time. That's a long time. But. Because you you could do that in like 10 minutes in your oven. The food was stunning. Really, really amazing. Um, yeah, I'm kind of blown away by how good it was. I was, I mean, it, again, not fried. Doesn't taste fried. But it does all of the same things I want and, and winds up being quite a bit lighter. Well, yeah, because it's not fried. Uh, it's not soaked in oil. <laughs> that's right. And cooked. And you still get that heat. You get that crispiness on the outside. You get that softness in and chew. Uh, man, I'm kind of stoked about it. And and I don't think we paid that much more than you'd pay for a normal microwave. 
Um, I'm looking at a... Uh, well, maybe I'm not. I'm sorry. Well, so I'll send you a link to the one we got so you can put it in the show notes. In any event, I don't think it's important that you get the same one I did because I don't have any frame of reference. And I think that if you just say, like, which, th- you know, Google, which three-in-one microwave should I buy, read those recommendations. I'm not going to recommend anything because I don't know enough to recommend something. But what I will say is that I've been pleasantly surprised at how versatile this thing is. Like, so versatile that I don't think I've used the oven since we bought this thing. Well, it's only been like a week. It's been, we've had it for like a month and a half. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm here for it, man. I'm kind of blown away. At first I was like not really enthused because I was undercooking things. I was like, this isn't going to work. Oh. I was undercooking things. Is it just not? holding the heat enough because if, if an air fryer if it says 400 degrees for 10 minutes if you're having to cook for 19 minutes it's either not getting to temperature or it's not holding temperature i think it's a bigger space and so it just doesn't quite get the temperature to where it thinks it's getting it mm. with that said have, have you have you used your so this is you have homework yeah convection oven a fish patty mm-hmm. and microwave fish patty and do a taste test. Do a, yeah, do a side by side against time. And then I can do a convection oven in the microwave also. I've got convection oven, convection in the microwave, and air fryer in the microwave. A What's convection the difference? Oven and an air fryer is the same. What's the difference between those two? I don't know, Andrew. Don't ask me because I don't know. It's the same thing. Well, it, 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 it purports to be something different. So I don't know. I have a lot of questions. You always have a lot of questions. A lot of questions. In any event. Have you you done a fish patty air fryer in the oven or in the microwave and then convection in the microwave to taste compare? Mm -mm. You've had this a long enough time. This is irresponsible. You bring me another thing and you're not fully even remotely versed on what's happening right now. No, the other thing is get a three in one because it's gonna it's cool and good. If you're replacing your microwave. I'm not replacing my microwave. Get a three in one. I I have been looking at air fryers and the <clears throat> the kind of like go to number one air air fryer, I forget the brand, is a convection oven, like toaster oven countertop. Yeah. That's like six hundred bucks. But to get two convection oven, a double because I have a I have a double of in my in my wall, uh, is like two thousand dollars. Oh my god, that seems like a worth it for me in a price differential. Like, well, why get a new appliance and fill my counter when I could just replace my ovens? I want fewer things on the counter always, which is why I would like to just replace my ovens for an extra, you know, for four times as much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I got, man. All right. I'm, I, I look forward to your link and I will be going to your house tomorrow and making pizza bites in your microwave. Perfect. Oh, it does make good pizza bites, by the way. Can't confirm. And taquitos. I'm going to do some taste testing on my own while you guys are gone. It's not a big deal. (laughs) You're always invited. Yeah. Andrew, anything else you'd like to add before we 
Say goodnight. Amount of things. It's another perfect episode. Hey, you guys. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20 of the Watch Clicker podcast. I'm, I'm really glad you came, you came and joined us. I will be gone next week, but I'll be here because... You'll still hear from him. We're going to record another episode. Uh, in any event, I'll miss you. If you're in Denver, give me a holler. Say hi. Why don't you check us out on our website, watchclicker.com. That's where we post every single episode of this podcast, but also where we post reviews, articles, links to our YouTube channel, that sort of stuff. You can also check us out on socials, really just Instagram, at watchclicker, at 40 and 20, underscore watchclicker. And if you want to support us, and we hope you do, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. You can give a little, you can give a lot, and frankly, you can give none. But for all of these, all of you that do support us, we genuinely thank you. That's how we pay for all this wonderful hardware, software, hosting, etc. And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>